we're in a series called Word to the Wise. We are diving into this unknown sometimes book, the book of memes today that brings truth and life. It's called the book of Proverbs. As Solomon pours out in the first 20-something chapters, just truth upon truth upon truth to help us. We've got to know that the wisdom of the world is very different to the wisdom of the Bible. That's where Proverbs starts and stops. If you don't get that, you're going to struggle to take Proverbs and apply it to your story, to life. And through the book of Proverbs, there are a bunch of themes and, and amazing themes, themes like the fear of God, themes like wisdom, themes like temperance and honesty and hard work and humility and learning when to speak and when not to speak. But I want to speak about one theme that is right through the book of Proverbs, so it becomes a big thing for us because it was a big thing for Solomon, and it's a big thing that the Father wants us to get a hold of. It's this thing of decision-making in a chaotic world. It's, it's just, it's a skill set that we learn, but it's something, I don't know about you, but sometimes life just feels like never-ending decisions, more decisions. And you kind of thought, of, well, I made yesterday's good decisions. Tomorrow's going to get easier. But tomorrow has its own set of decisions, its own challenges. And the implications of those decisions get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And they never seem to stop. Why? Because God wants us to be signs and wonders in our decision making. He wants faith and courage in our decision making. He wants passion to be revealed. He wants the same passion that we have when we worship Him to be displayed and our trust in Him when we make decisions for life. And so the decisions start when you're young, and it's, it's the little things like, who am I going to be friends with in the playground, and, and, and will I play rugby or soccer? Well, that was an easy one for me. It was maths or drama, and all these little decisions that you start learning, life has implications. The decisions we make have big implications, and life gets a little bit bigger, and so it's, do I study? What do I study? If I study, what implications or what job will it lead to? Will it make my parents happy? Will it make me happy? Will it bring joy in my story? Then life gets a little more complicated and, and maybe God wants to add someone to your life and you start thinking, blonde, blue-head, brunette, redhead. Oh no, it's not that fickle. Relax, relax. It's okay. It's okay. We're just having a bit of fun. Will my parents be happy? Will the family be happy? Do, will her family be happy? His family? Will, will God do stuff? And then opportunities come because our God gives his people opportunities and the opportunities come like, will you live in Joburg, Durban or Timbuktu or move to the ends of the earth or be a missionary to the nations or be a businessman in the high towers of our city? These are decisions that have implications and it just carries on. It never gets less. And every moment seems to come with more options and less examples to follow. There's just less good examples. So marriage, and we, we have the highest divorce rates we've ever had. There are less examples to follow for our decision making. So it becomes harder because we don't just default into things. We don't just step. We have to think. We have to process. We have to run the bases and run the scenarios and trust God at every turn. Careers, there are decisions that are made. As young as grade 10, you're making decisions for choices and subjects. Yes, that God can override and work, but they have implications because they lead you down roads. They take you down, down decisions and moments that have implications. And then if you've been any, doing any research, you realize that in the last 18 months of navigating corona and COVID, there's this massive issue of decision fatigue. Just decision fatigue, just making decisions. It's a psychological phenomenon surrounding someone's ability or capacity to keep making good decisions. Because the more decisions we make, it doesn't necessarily mean we get better at decision making. No, fatigue means we become less effective in our decision making because we are overwhelmed daily by making decisions. 
And in some ways, the season has made life a little simpler for some. Maybe you're working from home. You don't have to navigate traffic. You don't have to navigate a whole bunch of things. Maybe it's even the navigating what do I wear to work that gets some wrapped up in anxiety. I reckon Zuckerberg and some of the, the amazing people, leaders, they've got a simple philosophy. They wear the same shirts every day, the same color clothing every day. It keeps life simple, takes one decision out of the play, and maybe you need to do that. But in many ways, this whole season, this chaotic world we live in, has increased the decisions. Kids are at home, they're home tuning from work, you're needing to navigate, and, and your day's not as planned out as it used to be. You used to just go to the office and come home. Life had rhythm and structure. Now it's decision making, and you've got to get yourself up into a meeting. I got to log on to a Zoom meeting and decide what you're going to wear for a Zoom meeting, and do you wear pants if you don't need them? These are the questions you have to answer in Corona. But more than that, it's the fact that everything is new. For people leading organizations, leading businesses, everything is new. People aren't in the building, they're outside. I'm preaching to a camera, and there are people 15, 20 meters away in cars watching right now, and that's new. It comes with its own stresses and a whole bunch of decisions that need to be made. And the challenge is that if you don't do the hard work of your decision-making today, tomorrow will have greater implications and challenges because of bad decision-making. And so I want to touch into a bunch of things from Proverbs and come at you. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to calm yourselves down because I know we are a three-point church, four-point church. Today we're going with nine points. What can you believe? We are shattering the boundaries. I want to read from Proverbs 16 and then just come at you with a whole bunch of things that I hope are helpful. I, I, I trust that they are helpful in bringing clarity to decision-making because I'm telling you, parents, you need to be making good, godly, wisdom-filled, spirit-filled decisions at this time. Children, young people need to be making decisions. So what lenses do we use? Proverbs 16. To humans belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and He will establish your plans. The Lord works out everything to its proper end, even the wicked for a day of disaster. The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. Through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. Through the fear of the Lord, evil is avoided. When the Lord takes pleasure in anyone's way, he causes their enemies to make peace with them. Better a little with righteousness than much gain with injustice. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Jesus, I pray as we jump around this book of Proverbs, as we look at this theme of decision-making in times of chaos, I pray, Spirit of God, come. Come to the weary, come to the lonely, come to the confused, come to the challenged, come to those who feel like they've made wrong decision of the wrong decision and they live unable and crippled to make another decision. Come, Spirit of God, and raise up warriors. Raise up a standard. Raise up a banner over your people this morning. Bring courage and strength again. Bring your word to the wise today, I pray. Amen. Point number one. It's complicated. It goes like this. Bible first. And here's the challenge, because the challenge is most people make their worst mistake at the beginning. 
It's, it's like running the bases and we choose that most run to all the other areas and they're so worried about open doors, but they're not worried about opening the Bible and we go, where are you, God? And he goes, well, you never asked. You never asked, you never came. And the challenge is, it's like, it's like entering a runway. So you're making a decision that's gonna bring you onto the highway of life, of career, of a relationship, of a story. So you make a decision, I'm gonna turn left. So that's just, I'm gonna go this direction, I'm gonna choose it, I'm gonna ask my mates, I'm gonna to refer to Google, I'm gonna ask Siri to give me advice whether this is the decision. And as you're about to enter the highway, you're 30 meters, 40, 50, 60 meters down the runway and you go, oh shucks, does it line up with the Bible? It's very hard to get out then. It's very hard to reverse. You try to reverse up an arm ramp, you're gonna get injured, someone's gonna have a crash. It's going to get, go badly. And the Bible's encouragement is, is this, Bible first, not last, not after you've considered Facebook and phoning a friend or Googling it or asking Siri or checking out a Facebook link that takes you to some psychic online that maybe can give you some, no rubbish, start with the Bible. Proverbs 2 verse 6, that what we, it says this, for the Lord gives wisdom. The Lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He says he's not selling it. He's not trading it. The Lord gives wisdom. But he's not throwing it at us. He says, I want you to ask. I want you to seek. I want you to come before me and I will give it. He says, from his mouth. Not from the internet. Not from some preacher's mouth. From his mouth comes knowledge and wisdom. Proverbs 3 verse 5 and 6. We preach this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Now I know sometimes people like the curvy paths like Chapman's Peak and but Jesus says the best paths for your life are the straight paths determined by the boundaries of the word of God. So I want to tell you Bible boundaries are blessings to us. They're blessings to us. I'm going to give you some examples that maybe touch a nerve, but here we go. Should I marry this person? A question a lot of people ask. Jerry's asking right now. It's just, we just got to find out who the person is for. That's the first step, Jerry. We just go, we're going to start with the first step. It's okay. Jerry's number is 083. No. Should I marry this person? Well, I want to tell you, here's a boundary the Bible gives, not if they don't know or love the Lord. Oh, Mark, how can you say that? There are billions of people in the world and they're all lovely people. I'm not saying that's not true. What I'm saying is 2 Corinthians 6 verse 14 says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. I didn't make this up. This is in your Bible and mine. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness? It's not about how good they are, how beautiful they are, how real your love feels. It's about the word of God first saying the straight street looks like this. What about, can I love this person? It feels so real. The only problem is they're already married. But it feels so real, Mark. You don't know. Well, Bible says this in Romans 7, for a married woman is bound by law to her husband while she lives, but if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. So if their spouse dies, go for it. Bible, I'm quite simple really. This is, like I know this is gonna not be popular, but I, like, I read that and I go, I believe the Bible, I believe Jesus, and I want straight life. I want life, I want life abundant. So I have to trust, and Jesus says, well, what about the statement, I'm angry, can I hurt someone? I wanna get back at them. Jesus says, no, forgive. Not just forgive, he says, actually in Matthew 18, forgive 77 times. And he says, just, it's basically hyperbolic language, and you just keep forgiving. 
but I want to get back at them. I want to rant on Facebook. I want to tell everyone how bad they are and how they did me. And Jesus says, stop, forgive. You're not going to get that on Google. Google's going to tell you how to take them down on social media. You're not going to get that on other platforms. You're not going to get that from the people around the world because they want you to feel better and they know that there's a little part of you that might feel better for three seconds if you rant and rave. Proverbs 29 verse 18, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. And some of you are going, he's only on point number one, we're going slow. I'll speed it up now, but I want to tell you, there's this famous statement in the church. Don't put that on me. Don't put that on me. Don't tell me I, I shouldn't live with someone before Mary. Don't tell me I shouldn't. Don't tell me I shouldn't. No, the Bible says where there is no revelation of him who he is, the glorious eternal God who reigns above it all, where there is no revelation of him, people cast off restraint. Don't put that on me. Church, too often we cast off restraint. We call it freedom. There's no freedom without restraint in the king. Secondly, are you following fake news? Proverbs 18, 13. He who gives an answer but before he hears, he who gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and shame to him. Proverbs 18 verse 17, the first to plead his case seems right until another comes and examines him. It's like, obviously he's right. Yep, there's definitely a broken leg, but it's my arm. That's uh, the doctor like, his arm's hanging. Yep, that probably it's too. It's be careful to follow the person who speaks without seriously thinking. We know the facts now. Fake news spreads six, six times faster than truth. Six times faster. Why? Because people love it. We love it. And the challenge is people are making decisions, life decisions over anecdotal stories and emotional, emotional posturing and positioning rather than getting the truth and the facts, the real facts. Oh, I've done my research. Really? Have you? Because I don't think two hours of Googling overcomes years and hundreds of years of study. I'm not talking about the vaccines now. I'm talking about life. Please, let's get bigger. Somebody like, oh, he's making a point about, I'm not. I'm talking about life. I'm talking about getting the facts. I'm talking about approaching people with wisdom and insight who can help you and help me. See, businesses do it. They call it due diligence. And they go and look at the papers. They go run scenarios. They check the facts that look like balance sheets and income statements. And they do all the hard work before committing to buy a business or jump into a business deal. Well, why don't we do it? I've seen businessmen do it in their businesses, but not do it in their life. I want to tell you why. Because we fear man and man's opinion. We fear losing and losing opportunities because we don't trust God, the God of opportunities. We fear finding something that we will not like. And we fear doing the necessary work. We're just lazy sometimes. So we default to someone's opinion or thought. Number three, point number three on making good decisions. Slow down. Wise men say only fools rush in. That guy's sharp. I mean, that guy, he knew the Proverbs. And, and uh, Proverbs 19 verse 2, also it is not good for a person to be without knowledge and he who makes haste with his feet errs. It's like his feet start running before his brain starts thinking you're in trouble. Proverbs 21 verse 5, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Don't rush it. 
Take your time to make a wise choice. People die when hasty people get trigger happy. People die. Don't blame the weapon. You pulled the trigger. Where there was a business deal, where there was a relationship you jumped into because you felt like you could not wait another day. No, eternity is going to be long. Take time to process. Again, why do we rush? We rush because of fear of man sometimes. We rush because we fear disappointing others. We, we don't trust God or because we don't learn from the past. Word to the wise, slow down. Point number four, we're moving fast now. The big, honest why. And everyone thought Simon Sinai came up with it. No, Solomon was way ahead. Ask the question why. What is your motive? Proverbs 20 verse 9. Who can say, I have cleansed my heart, I am pure from sin? It's a rhetorical question saying, no one is perfect. And no one is faultless with perfect motives in every situation. No one. The Bible encourages us to examine our hearts. That scripture we started with in Proverbs 16. To humans belong the plans of the heart. But from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. All a person's ways seem pure to them. But motives are weighed by the Lord. Motives are put on a scale and weighed. They're examined. They are looked at. They are evaluated by God. Our motives are evaluated by God. And I think God is sometimes less worried about the outcome, but more worried about how we got there and why we got there. And I want to tell you our greatest gift as humans, we are so good at it, is self-justification. But I love her. No, sir, you lust her right now because you aren't married. No, but, but I was made this way. No, you weren't. You made bad decisions that have led to chaos and brokenness. You weren't made this way. You were made by a perfect father who loves you. And if you'll go back to him, he will restore you. I fell into bed with her. I mean, I've heard this. I've literally heard this a number of times. And I'm going, what were you just walking past? And it was, she was on a bed and lying and just fell in. It's like you just fell into bed with her. No, come on. Come on. I have to have it. Which means taking money from my kids' school fund, which means use, losing my brains and taking out credit from a bank that's going to hurt me I, I, or stealing. I just have to have it. And unfortunately, the looting in KZN, I just have to have the moment and I run into it and we throw our brains out of it. And we forget that we have a tendency to not really investigate our motives. Point number five, learn from your past. But don't live in it. it. says this in Proverbs 26 verse 11, and I'll put all these scriptures out. You can get them. Like a dog that returns to it vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Proverbs 17 verse 10, a rebuke goes deeper into one who has understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. What is it saying? What is the Bible? What is Proverbs speaking to us? We're not a good, as good at learning as we think. We've got to be learning. Otherwise, we remain a fool. Examples, I, and, and I've heard these ones. I keep falling in love with rotten men. Well, learn from the rotten men. Make bad decisions. Put value in yourself and know that God has got good gifts for you. And, and we justify. It says, I'm not sure why this quick, quick rich scheme didn't work because on the website it said it'll 100% work. Oh, come on! Let's learn. Let's move forward. Let's not derail God's plans again by an impulse or a desire we can't control. 
Point number six. Who's the voice in your head? Who's the voice in my head? The Bible encourages us, talk to mentors, talk to friends. Proverbs 11, verse 14, where there is no guidance, the people fall, but in an abundance of counselors, there is victory. Proverbs 24, verse 6, surely you need guidance to wage war, and victory is won through many advisors. See, kings always had trusted advisors. Sometimes there were people people least expected, but I want to tell you, social media and Google will not be there when the decision doesn't pan out. Siri won't come up and arrive when the decision that you made because she encouraged you in that direction. She's not going to be there. But the people you go to, they'll walk with you, they will be with you. Hey Siri, should I marry Fred or Larry? Hey Siri, Siri's responding on my, on my iPad right now. Do you think I should move to Joburg? Not something an algorithm can help you with. What do I look for in advisors? Quickly, knowledge of the word, the Bible. Courageous in their living, faith. Willingness to be unpopular and speak the unpopular word. Consistent in their story and a love for others. Those are the lenses that I use when I choose people to speak. Proverbs 15 verse 22. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. So here's the obvious caveat. Avoid foolish people. I mean, I don't know how else to tell you. The Bible speaks of foolish people because they are foolish people. And Proverbs 12 says it this way, the plans of the righteous are just, but the advice of the wicked are deceitful. Is deceitful. You'll get what you're looking for, basically. And if you go looking for wisdom in foolish people, you're going to get wisdom. You're going to get foolishness. You're not going to get wisdom. Point number seven, and we're almost there. Did you see the sign? You know when you're driving on the highway and it's like, you're coming into town, was it 60, is it 80? You don't know because you missed the sign and there's a sign, slow down. And all of a sudden, whabba, you get a fine. Someone else's story. Obviously, I've never broken the law in such manner. But, um, but Proverbs 10 verse 17 says, He is on the path of life who heeds instruction. But he who forsakes reproof goes astray. Just gets lost, loses his way. Proverbs 16. There is a way that seems right to man, but it's the end of its way, but the, its end is the way of death. Proverbs 27, verse 6. Faithful of the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Did you see the sign? Uh, I've sat with many people, said there were signs beforehand about the relationship. There were signs about about habits or challenges, but I would change him. I knew he would change. I knew she would change if I just loved them. Now, sometimes we've got to have our eyes to see the signs, and we've got to submit to God and his authority and all he puts in place. And this is what Romans 13 tells us. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. So it's saying God's put authorities in place. So yes, right now the authorities say, wear a mask. I'm telling you, wear a mask. Why? Because they also told you to drive on the left-hand side of the road because if you drove on the right-hand side, you're going to die. And it's just helpful advice. And God says he put those. So in your submitting, there is a power that breaks into your story when you choose God's ways at this time. Point number eight, what's the real cost? Counting the cost. Could the, this decision that I'm making about the job, the career, where I live, or who I choose to live with, or how I choose to navigate my sexuality, could it jeopardize the gospel in my life? Here we're getting to the important stuff, the, the things we, we run lost. Proverbs 8, 
Pro, sorry, Proverbs 20, verse 7. A righteous man who walks in his integrity, how blessed are his sons after him. It says if you walk in righteousness, you make decisions of righteousness that bring glory to God, there will be a blessing that will be generational to follow. I want generational blessing of my kids. See, we can squander their inheritance today as parents when we choose not to trust God. Proverbs 22 verse 1, a good name is to be more desired than great riches. Favor is better than silver and gold. And again, just topical examples. Well, we're just going to live together and try it out. God understands our financial situation right now, and he won't mind, but I'm telling you, your neighbor who lives next door and knows that you're a Christian and knows that you go and you knows that you preach the gospel, they're watching and they don't believe you're not sleeping together. I'm just going to tell you straight. They don't. So if you want to have influence for the gospel, you've got to make decisions of righteousness that lead to life. Oh, I realize that if I do this deal with this guy, I know he's a bit shady on the tax man, but I've got to do the deal because I need the deal and I don't know. And God's obviously opened this door. Mm. And, and, uh, and, and so I'm going to jump into business. But you wonder how five years down the line you're accountable for stolen money. We've got to learn. This is the Bible. I didn't make this stuff up. It's just really, really good. Remember the gospel in your decision making, the impact, the integrity of your life. And last point, but by far the most important point as well. Trust in the Lord and his plans. That scripture we read earlier, Proverbs 16 verse 3. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. That com word commit means trust. It says, trust in the Lord, whatever you do. Trust your marriage, your relationships, your finances, your future, your fears, all. Trust. Commit them to God. Bring them and commit them to Him. you riddled with anxiety. I'm telling you, poor decision-making lenses are part of it. Because when we put our trust not in the, 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 the principles, but the promises that land behind the principles of Proverbs, I'm telling you there is a good God who is faithful to every word. Every word. See, the Lord is, is more interested in the how necessarily than making the right decision. What's the right decision? Oh, God wants the how, and the how starts with God, I trust you. Before I'm going to fear man before I'm going to fear losing reputation, before I'm going to fall at the, and bow at the knees of popularity, I will trust you, your ways, and your word in my life. Proverbs 16 verse 9 ends like this, in their hearts, human plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Jesus comes, he gets tempted for 40 days in the desert. The enemy comes to him and says, uh, if you are, if you are, if you are the Son of God, and Jesus says, it is written. It's not, a, I'm feeling weak and tired and hungry and thirsty. I need water. I need bread. No, he says, it's written. It's greater than my thinking. It's greater than my researching on Google. It's greater than my understanding from schooling and education. It's greater than all of it. It is written. There is a God above who is faithful. And the devil comes at it again, says, you can have it all. He says, it is written, not just in some book somewhere. It's written on my heart. I will trust in the Lord my God. He is faithful in every way, at every turn. It is written. So God speaks to us with the book of Proverbs, and he says, forget a chaotic world. 
fix your eyes on the order and the perfection of heaven and the God who is seated on his throne. Trust him. Bible first. Truth. Slow down. Be honest. Learn from your past. Who's speaking into your head? Did you see the sign? Make sure you're pursuing a why. Because on the other side of our decisions, there's a gospel implication. On the other side of our decisions, there's an eternal reality. I want to pray for some now. You're just feeling you're, you're tired for lots of reasons. Maybe you've made bad decision after bad decision. So you now want to make no decisions. Unfortunately, life doesn't give you that option. Every day we'll have decisions of varying realities of influence over your life and the life of others and the kingdom through your story. Or maybe you're a, you're a leader in a sphere of influence and you're just tired of making decisions this way. Yes, navigating this way and pivoting this way and all the fancy words we've come up with to make it sound really, really important where God is just saying, trust me. Get rid of the other lenses, the other reasons we would make other decisions. You can't lead a nation by fearing man. You've got to trust God. But maybe you're just tired. Maybe like much of the world, you've got decision fatigue. What do you do with your kids? Homeschooling, this schooling, that schooling. When they get sick, is it doctors? Is it prayer? Is it scientists? Is it, now where do you go? What's the next decision tomorrow holds? You start becoming scared of making the next decision. And God says, trust me. Trust my word. Trust my ways. Trust me in the timing. Trust me in the opinions of man. Trust me. Stop getting caught up in the sideshows that want all your attention. Get in the main tent and see the king. Can we close our eyes for a second? I want to pray for you. If you're struggling right now, saying, I need to make better decisions. I'm tired of making bad decisions. I need the king to direct my steps. God, where are you? And he says, I want you to talk. I will speak truth and life to you. So we silence the lies of the enemy now. I pray, Spirit of God, even if I touched on sore points or people are watching this morning thinking, gosh, that, that point was harsh. I pray it wasn't. I pray, Spirit of God, that you would come, reveal without revelation, people cast off restraint. Oh, Mark, don't put that on me. I'm not putting anything on you, sir, ma'am. The Word of God is speaking. The power of God wants to touch your life that right now is running wild and there is chaos around and it's not a surprise. God wants to bring order and life and peace to your story now. Will you let him? Just say this with me. God, I trust you. God, I trust your ways. God, I trust your word. God, have all of me. Have all of me today. Spirit of God, come into homes, into hearts, into fatigued minds. Speak, God. Not just so we can have wisdom. So the kingdom of God can extend to the end of the earth. Thank you, King. Amen.